are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Friday, Locked On Wildcats fans. I'm your host, Mike Luke. You might know me from my work for the pre- and the post-game show on Wildcats Radio 1290. Got a lot to get to this show. We're obviously going to talk about a lot of women's basketball. I'll try to give you a preview as best as I can. And because in a lot of ways, I'm just like you watching this and just kind of watching something evolve before us. Then we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, UCLA advancing to the Final Four, and whether it's good or whether it's bad for, for for Arizona fans if there is another team in the Final Four. But let's start with the elephant in the room, and that's the Arizona Wildcats lady basketball team. Here's what we know. Adia Barnes is building something incredibly special for many of the reasons that we've laid out. And I think it really showed, too, that when Gino Auriemma, the famed UConn basketball coach, is talking about Adia Barnes and about how good of a player he, she was and about how much he remembered her, that's obviously good when your memory is seared into the name of the best coach in his profession's history. Then when he's comparing Ari McDonald to Allen Iverson, shout out to Rob Lance, it was almost like he was listening there, that's another pretty impressive thing right there. Then you've got Arizona in their first Final Four. But I'll tell you one thing, as cool as this is, and you always hear this talked about in women's college basketball, there is a little bit of a difference in the pecking order between that elite top three to four group historically. Then you got about seven or eight or nine different schools after that. Friday's game is going to be a true barometer as to where Arizona women's basketball currently resides in the grand scheme of things. UConn is a dominant powerhouse that, as we all know, their reputation speaks for itself. If you look down the recruiting rankings, this is a school that basically has every every recruit that they want. I mean, you could make the case they've got five Ari McDonald's, and that's not to diminish Ari McDonald. That's just more to tell you about what we're dealing with here, what you have as a coaching staff, as a program at UConn. But the line right now is 13 and a half points, and I'll tell you what. It would be great to see Arizona win this game, but if Arizona can keep this one close, and again, I know that that's a little bit of a loser's mentality, I think you got to look at it and say, man, Arizona's a lot further along than maybe some of us even thought before this season when they were ranked where they were. When you're a preseason ranked top 15 team in the nation, Arizona's probably a little bit better than that. Now, you got to go into this game with a little bit of apprehension, obviously, because Arizona has lost to Stanford twice by double digits, won by 27 points, and wasn't really, let's be honest, that competitive in either one of those games. And that was Stanford. UConn is a UConn Stanford kind of in the same boat right there. So it'll be fascinating to see how Arizona plays this one out. Are they able to keep this one close? Because I'll tell you what. If they're able to keep this one close, you got to look at it and you got to think, man, maybe they're not that far away from joining that elite level that is UConn, that is Stanford. But one thing I will say, and I'm a big believer in this, 
generally when a game is going to be close or generally when it's a little bit of a mismatch, you have an idea in the first five to seven minutes of the game how exactly everything is going to transpire. And I think we're going to be seeing that here. If I don't care really if the score is 12 to 12 after nine minutes, I'm going to care what exactly it looks like. Is UConn missing a bunch of gimmies? Is UConn missing a bunch of shots that they probably would otherwise make? How exactly did the score get to where it was? Is Arizona making a bunch of shots that's probably going to be difficult to sustain? Or, let's not borrow trouble, is Arizona able to get the shots that they really want to get? That are the, Those are the questions that I'm going to be looking for very early on in this game. And I think most U of A fans should be looking the same way. Now, again... Arizona's building something big here. We've talked about the recruits that uh, Coach Barnes has coming in, and that's obviously a really big deal. And I think two, three years from now, Arizona 1 through 12 is going to be significantly better even than they are now. Now, again, you might not have somebody like an Ari McDonald, but you're probably going to have a more complete filled-out roster because that just goes without saying when you've got a coach that can recruit and can bring people in the way Adia Barnes has. But those first, those first minutes of this game are going to be telling for me, and I think they should be something that everybody out there should keep a really close eye on. Again, how are these points made? Not necessarily the score, but how are these points made? But more so than anything, I'm excited as a Arizona alum to be able to watch a team and just see where exactly they stand in the grand pecking order of women's college basketball. And you're going to be able to find that this game against the Yukon Huskies. You're listening to Lockdown Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right. BetOnline.ag is the place that you all should be going during this March Madness season to get your bets in. And you know what? It doesn't just stop there. You can go to the NBA. There's all kinds of different sports. MLB starting up. BetOnline.ag. All right. A lot of people are talking now about switching over to the men's basketball side. And then, quite frankly, we'll I'll give you my take for what it's worth on the U of A women's college basketball and how I think that game's going to unfold. But sticking with the men here for a second, I can see a lot of U of A fans that are bummed out that UCLA is in the Final Four. Kind of the way it was when Oregon was there four or five years ago. And honestly... I understand the frustration, but I've long believed that we should all be rooting for the other teams in the conference outside of the conference, except for ASU. ASU, I hope goes under. ASU, I hope goes winless every single season. And sorry, it's just the way I feel. But UCLA now being in the Final Four, I believe, is a good thing, and there's a variety of reasons why. First and foremost, it brings gravitas to the Pac-12. How many times outside of Bill Walton do you see anybody really talk about the Pac-12? Now, granted, you're going to have a lot of national media that are just going to ignore it. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But if you've got a team in from the Pac-12 in there in UCLA, we should be rooting for them. Because you know what? Arizona basketball does not take a backseat to anybody on the West Coast. Nor should we be worried about who could possibly be coming up. I see a lot of people saying, oh, well, Mick Cronin, um, he could really get something going there. We need to root against him. No, 
or Arizona basketball. Sure, when Arizona plays UCLA, you 100% want to beat them. And not only do you want to beat them, you want to beat them easily. But other than that, if they're playing in the NCAA tournament, I'm all in on rooting for UCLA. It's obviously not like rooting for Arizona, but it's something that I think we should because it makes it harder for the national media to be able to ignore the conference. I'll give you an idea. When I was coming up in the 90s, I think that's when Pac-10 basketball was at its zenith. Arizona was a top 10 program. UCLA was a top 5 to 10 program. We'll get to them in a second. And Stanford was in that 10 to 15 range, somewhere in there. UCLA under Jim Herrick was really the only school during the height of Lutz's run that I looked at and said, you know what, they got a few better players than us, got a little bit better talent, but Arizona at the end of the day still has a chance there, and I looked forward to those games in Pauly and McHale because it was a true t- it was a true barometer of where you were as a program. And I'm not the only one that felt that way. UCLA winning the national championship in the mid-90s did not take away from anything that Arizona basketball did. If anything, I think you could make the case that it forced Arizona and Lute Olsen maybe to elevate their game. I got to look a little bit harder to find these guys that maybe UCLA passed on, UCLA isn't looking at, and go from there. Hopefully make something out of nothing right there. Look at Miles Simon. Look at Reggie Geary. These are guys that were from UCLA's backyard that were viewed as not being quite good enough for UCLA. And then what happens is it helps you raise your tide. Mike, Then you get Mike Bibby coming in. Then a little bit after that, you start bringing in McDonald's All-Americans to compete with the UCLA's. But when UCLA was at its best under Herrick, not only did the national media have to take this conference seriously, we had to take other teams seriously. And I don't think for a second that Lute Olsen, no matter what was going on at UCLA, was worried about what was going on there. Same with Stanford. Now, Stanford had a little bit less talent under Mike Montgomery, but kind of the same thing that, you know what? Yeah, you've got guys like Casey Jacobson. you got the Collins twins. You know what? I got better players than that. I got Richard Jefferson. I got Michael Wright. I got Lauren Woods. It didn't really matter. And unless Arizona was playing UCLA and Stanford, I always rooted for them in the tournament. If When UCLA made, won the national championship, I rooted for UCLA. When Stanford made that Final Four run in the late 90s, same thing applied. I rooted for Stanford. And I never once thought about not rooting for them because it doesn't diminish Arizona. Arizona basketball on the West Coast is a blue blood program. It just is. Nationally, it's not an inner crust blue blood. But when you're talking about the West Coast, it ha- hangs up there with about anybody. And that's the way that it should be. And more, more to the point, it, none, of this pro, none of this conference success takes away from Arizona. As a matter of fact, I think it helps Arizona because it forces us, again, to raise our game to the next level, to get back there. Here's a newsflash for everyone. Top five, top ten programs, don't worry about people around them. Do you really think for a second, and I've used this analogy before, that Bill Self at Kansas worries about what's going on at Texas? No, because he knows that his product speaks for itself. Now, the Pac-12 has been dissed on for the longest time, and it's easy for people to be able to say, well, you know what, Arizona was really good, but there was nobody else. 
the more teams that advance, the more teams that get into the Final Four, it becomes more difficult for the national media sorts to be able to continue to push that notion that, all right, well, we can pretty much ignore the Pac-12. Because if UCLA's good and Arizona's good, again, it's not going to get North Carolina or Duke treatment, but it's going to be something that those national folks are going to have to pay attention to. And so, yes, I'm rooting for UCLA in the Final Four. I'm rooting for UCLA to win the national championship because, if anything, it just helps Arizona out. We don't need to have an inferiority complex here because Arizona basketball, again, and its reputation speaks for itself. So, yes, Mick Cronin looks like he's got something going at UCLA. Dana Altman's obviously got something going at Oregon. But you know what? It's not like Arizona is really competing for the exact same type of recruits. And honestly, even if you don't get those same recruits, Lute Olson showed that, all right, I can get guys that maybe you didn't view as being quite good enough for you. And watch this. I'm going to beat your guys with the guys that you didn't even really want. And that's just the way that I think Arizona fans need to look at it. Now, granted, I think UCLA is going to get absolutely smoked in their next game. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy the ride and at least watch this from a Pac-12 perspective because, we can be honest here, Pac-12 hasn't had a lot of March success in the last 10, 12 years. You had, before that, you had the three runs with UCLA in the mid-2000s. But other than that, haven't been a lot. This could at least change the perception a little bit. And yes, UCLA will probably come back as a preseason top five team. But again, if Arizona returns everybody, I like Arizona's ability to be able to compete with about anybody in this conference. So there you had it. I'm rooting for UCLA to win the Final Four, even though I don't think that's going to happen. This is Locked On Wildcats, and I'm your host, Mike Luke. Hope you all have a great weekend here. And I know that I'm going to be watching a lot of this U of A basketball game Friday, and I'm going to probably be down in a built bar in the process. Today's going to be an awesome game to be able to watch Arizona play and to be able to get that little added protein in there. Yes, please. All right. So I'm a guy that likes to look at betting lines. And I initially thought, and keep in mind, I don't know a ton about the uh, women's basketball game, although I'm trying to learn. I initially looked at it and said, man, there's not going to be a great chance for Arizona to win this game. And I was looking at point spreads, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, this is probably going to be, what, a 19, 20-point point point spread? I was talking with Jason Shear from uh, Wildcat Authority, and he kind of thought the same thing. So when the point spread came out at 12-and-a-half, okay, again, not really picking you to win, but it shows that you've got the ability right there. That being said, I think that UConn covers this spread. There's, this isn't a way I know to impress the people of Tucson, but just through some cursory research, UConn to me, and I think the difference in programs like this is, yes, Arizona has three or four women that could play legitimate minutes at UConn, no doubt about it. But where schools like this really get you, the Baylors, the Yukons, is that they have women in that five, six, seven, eight, nine hole 
that are McDonald's All-Americans, that are five-star recruits. So it's not like Gino Auriem is playing this game. And sure, he doesn't want to lose his point guard. He doesn't want to lose Paige. He doesn't want to lose any of those players. But you know what? If she gets into foul trouble, I'm bringing in a five-star kid right off the bench. And it's kind of like what John Calipari has at Kentucky. Yeah, John Wall just went out of the game, but watch this. Okay, we got Eric Bledsoe coming in. Or whatever the case, whatever argument you would like to make there. And that's where I think it's a little bit more difficult for Arizona. And Adia Barnes certainly has fast-tracked this program. There's no doubt about it. But she hasn't fast-tracked it to the point where her 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 player doesn't have a big drop-off from those top three to four players. Again, I think she's probably going to get it to that point, and she's probably going to get it to that point sooner than later. But right now, it seems like it's a little bit too steep of a mountain to climb. But what you got to like, though, is when you watch Adia, she doesn't have any false bravado. A lot of times you'll see players, you'll see coaches that just have false bravado. That's just the way it is. And there's really nothing that uh, you can say other than, okay, this person just said they want that last second shot. They really don't want that last second shot. Or this coach said this, but I can tell by watching that this coach really doesn't mean that. Adia Barnes, and my mom put this well, she said she's just got such a calming confidence about her But there's nothing arrogant about it, and you can see how women would want to play for her. She looks like she's confident in this game. Now, I don't know what's truly in her heart. I don't think anybody really knows. But watching the competitor she is, watching the way that she was able to bring Arizona women's basketball to the desert in the manner in which she has, you got to think that she thinks, we're going to win this game. I got the best player on the court. I know a lot of people will say that uh, UConn's got the best player, but I would imagine that Coach Barnes is saying, I got Ari McDonald. To quote uh, Gina Wariema, I got Allen Iverson out there. And you know what? As Allen Iverson showed in Game 1 in the uh, 2001 Finals against the Lakers, if I've if you got that one player, you've got a chance in a game. And again, this is a one-game situation. This isn't a best-of-three, best-of-four series. And I think that She thinks Arizona's got a legit chance here. Again, she knows a lot more about women's basketball than I do. I think that Arizona's run probably ends here. But I guarantee you, watching Gina Oriema talk about Adia Barnes, talk about this game and the program, he knows that no matter what happens here, Arizona basketball is coming. Arizona basketball under Adia Barnes is going to be a force for the future and currently hope you all have a great weekend and go cats